it's time to talk about all things mental health. This is Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. As a seasoned licensed therapist, Cecile is the owner of Transcend Therapy and is here to inform, guide, and connect you on the big and small everyday happenings that affect our mental and emotional well-being. Cecile is passionate about making a lasting and positive impact on people, connecting them to their own wisdom and strength while having a little fun along the way. Get ready to challenge the power of your human spirit. It's time to get mental. And now here's your host, Cecile Ahrens. All the things they say should matter, corrupted by the senseless chatter. Hello everyone and welcome to Get Mental. This is your host Cecile Ahrens, therapist and owner of Transcend Therapy. We are located in San Diego where we provide individual couples and family counseling. And for those of you who are new to the program, just a little bit about our show. This is a show where we talk about all things mental health and we try to destigmatize and deconstruct experiences and events related to our emotional and mental well-being. We have a great show coming up this morning on a subject that is very, very important to me as a woman, as a mother, as a therapist, and as as just as a human being. And it's on the subject of domestic violence, also known as relationship violence or relationship abuse. So some of you may have heard this terminology before, but we will break it down to you in a really concrete way. I am so fired up about this subject. Why? Because domestic violence is a public health issue. This is happening, unfortunately, in every corner of the world. Think about that for a second. It's happening in every corner of the world. It's a global problem, a worldwide issue, happening in every country on the planet. Abuse is happening right now in this very moment as I speak. That's a pretty sobering reality. And in my opinion, just completely unacceptable. So you hear about abusive relationships on the news from time to time, right? Like when the NFL player Ray Rice punched his fiance in an elevator a couple of years ago. However, there are many other incidents of abuse that never make it on the news, okay? Domestic violence is not just about physical aggression or violence. People can be abused emotionally, verbally, mentally, sexually, financially, and spiritually. So there are many different definitions of abuse and domestic violence, but um, for, for the purpose of this show, you know, I am referring to my personal definition of domestic violence, which is a relationship with an intimate partner that involves varying degrees of emotional, verbal, mental, physical, sexual, financial, and spiritual abuse, okay? A relationship with an intimate partner that involves varying degrees of emotional, verbal, mental, physical, sexual, financial, and spiritual abuse. There are a lot of misperceptions around this issue, and victims of of abuse are sometimes inappropriately blamed for staying or putting up with it. So I'm going to talk about that later on in the show, like um, some of the reasons why it's hard for people to leave or why victims seemingly put up with it or stay in the abusive relationship. It's not the victim's fault why he or she is getting abused. It's not something that they can prevent or avoid. 
once they are in it, okay? Because the person abusing is usually trying to exert some power and control over that person on purpose, okay? It's a power and control dynamic. And sometimes the abusive person will abuse that uh, partner for no reason, literally no reason at all. Anything can be a trigger for the abuser. And there's a web of lies and manipulation and control tactics that make these types of relationships very, very complicated. So at Transcend Therapy, we specialize in helping people in abusive relationships. Okay, we help you make sense of what's happening to you and give you real solutions to the problem. People who are experiencing abuse typically come to us feeling very conflicted, scared, overwhelmed. I'm just thinking about um, a handful of my clients right now. They're just under a lot of stress, just complete, you know, almost on the verge of a, of a breakdown, really. And um, a lot of them come in with acute symptoms of depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So sometimes just having a name for it, telling them you are in an abusive relationship can be the start of the change process. Many people have told me that they didn't even think they were being abused because they were not being physically assaulted or attacked. That's one of the myths, right? Is that for it to be abusive, there has to be violence. Well, as you probably all know, sometimes words hurt just as much, if not more in some cases. So please, if you or a loved one um, are suffering from an abusive relationship, give us a call, 619-823-1382, or email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com. If you're in crisis and you need to talk to someone or you just want information about services and resources, you can call your local domestic violence hotline. And in San Diego, that number is 888-385-4657. Again, 888-385-4657. And if you Google this stuff, you, you should find a lot of uh, local services and resources for, um, to help you. So, you know, when we talk about domestic violence, we seem to always just talk about the victims, right? Well, I'm a believer that prevention really means working with the victim and the so-called abuser, the person abusing the victim. I, I really don't like labels, but that's kind of what we're dealing with. That's where we are right now. But I'm going to try to be as mindful and respectful of the labels. So equally important, if you are the one being abusive and hurtful, we can help you too, okay? You deserve just as much support and healing as much as the victims do. And what I find is that the person who's doing the, the abusing is also usually a victim of some kind of abuse themselves, often child abuse and trauma and neglect. Not always, but often this is the case. Because abuse is a cycle. It gets repeated in families over and over again, throughout sometimes generations, until one person decides to break that cycle for themselves. Okay, until one person decides to break that cycle for themselves. And when they do, they now have the power to break that cycle for an entire generation. That, my friend, is the power that you have. Okay, you can make that choice with the right help, with the right supports. It doesn't have to be this way, and you don't have to do this alone. You need a team, a community of support, 
maybe a therapist, a support group, resources, really good friends and family. If you don't have um, a whole lot of support, you know, there are services that can help you. And I mean this. I have so much experience in this field. There's so many great, wonderful people who are ready and willing and able to help you. You know, you might also need an attorney. Some of you may need to go to a shelter. I used to manage a, a shelter. There are wonderful people in there that, you know, oftentimes you can bring your kids with you. And if you're worried about your pets, which is a real issue for some people, you know, that actually is a, a, a reason why people have a hard time leaving sometimes is they don't know where their pet can go. There are pet shelters, you know, and they will take care of your pets while you get better. In any case, it's okay to ask for help and just make that call. Pick up the phone, make that call, tell somebody. Because, like I said, you don't have to do this alone. As a matter of fact, you know, isolation is a big part of the abuse cycle. When your abusive partner is trying to isolate you and make you dependent on him or her so that you, you know, it, it's, it's a great way to perpetuate the abuse and keep you stuck, Right. So for those of you who may not have a good understanding of what abuse looks like, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the types of abuse, okay? Um, did you know that if someone frequently puts you down, calls you names, yells at you, curses you, guilt trips you, gives you the silent treatment, intimidates you, or uses fear tactics, that those are forms of emotional and mental abuse and verbal abuse? There's a lot of overlap between those three. And isolation, right? Like I talked about before, lying to you, denying your reality. So for example, telling you that something you know for sure happened didn't happen. You'd be surprised how often that happens. <laughs> you know, I can't count how many times I've heard that from my clients of like, I just don't know what's real anymore because I think this and he's convincing me that that's not what happened and I feel crazy. Well, there's a term for that. It's called crazy making, right? It's a form of brainwashing. And that's mental abuse, okay? An example of financial abuse, for some of you who may not even think that that was a thing, is preventing you from working or making money, controlling um, the money or finances in the relationship, excluding you from financial decisions, right? having a lack of transparency in financial affairs, controlling what you can and can't buy, okay, um, when you can and can't have money. So think about that. That is a sure way to keep you dependent and vulnerable. You will always be in survival mode if you don't have resources and, and money. And that's a big reason why people end up staying. Um, or, you know, getting stuck in the fear. But it's a real consideration. Um, it's, it's, it can really limit someone's options if, if they don't have money or resources, okay? Spiritual abuse. A lot of people don't, don't even think that they're being spiritually abused. So one way to look at that is literally um, uh, um, in the spiritual or faith sense, right? Like preventing you from practicing your chosen faith. 
forcing you to conform to a particular spiritual or religious practice. And this one's a good one. I, I hear this all the time. Inappropriately using the scriptures to excuse or perpetuate the abuse, guilt tripping you for you know thinking about divorce, right? Using the vows, the the sacrament of marriage, to justify why you should stay. So I, I don't know about you know your God, but I, I don't the God that I believe in. I don't think wants any one of us to be abused, right? Love is not supposed to be abusive. Abuse is not love. So. Um, in a transcend therapy, we can help you break that down, unpack that, understand how how all of these things, you know, all of these these beliefs that you have about relationships and divorce and so forth, um, how that can actually um, perpetuate the abuse and repeat certain cycles that maybe you witnessed in your family uh, system. Okay, so. I hope that gives you a good, um, just a good understanding of the different types of abuse. And obviously, physical abuse, you know, I think that's pretty obvious. But um, one subtle way that you can be physically abused is just, you know, the minor, not minor, but, you know, some people regard it as minor, the shoving or the the push here, the push there. Um, Even that, right, even if that's not like, that, that doesn't rise to the level of injury, that's a big red flag. When that starts to happen in your relationship, your radar must go up. Be very, very aware that that could um, get worse and escalate. You know, there are those occasions where it doesn't, but most of the time it does. So what we're looking for here is not these, you know, little isolated incidents where, uh, you know, people coped in an unhealthy way. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an, uh, a pervasive pattern of abuse where fear and um, you know eroding your self-esteem, where that's kind of a constant thing that's happening in your relationship, okay? So again, please know if you're in an abusive relationship, call us if you think we might be a good fit, Transcend Therapy 619 619- Eight two three one three eight two, or email us at transcendtherapy at gmail dot com. Another thing I want to talk about is uh, your family dynamic, because oftentimes, you know, if you came from a family system where abuse was uh, modeled to you, or worse, where you actually were a recipient of abuse from your parents, chances are you have been impacted by those experiences in more ways than one, okay? The, the effects of being exposed to abuse or being directly a recipient of abuse are far-reaching and often long-lasting. And um, like I've said earlier, you are not alone. You don't have to do this alone. There are real solutions to this. So give yourself the gift of support and therapy. Just want to read some stats to you, just so you you uh, understand the prevalence of this um, this phenomenon, this worldwide worldwide epidemic that I'm talking about. Okay, so did you know that one in three women experience domestic violence in their lifetime? One in three women, right? 
and there are lots of different um, impact on your health, including depression, anxiety, PTSD, substance abuse, suicidal behaviors, sometimes, sometimes homicidal behaviors from the victim. And we're not going to get into that because we don't have time. I might do another segment on that, on that like self-defense, um, the, the idea of a victim defending themselves and ending up like actually hurting or killing their abuser. Um, that's why I'm doing this show and, and talking about domestic violence. So it doesn't have to get to that because it doesn't have to get to that. Okay, we, we have a lot of work left, but there are a lot of resources today as we speak. Um, okay, another statistic. Uh, the homicide of women is the leading cause of death in the United States among young African women age 15 to 45. Isn't that really staggering, right? And the seventh leading cause of premature death among women overall. Okay, and a lot of these stats are from the CDC, by the way, uh, Center for Disease Control. Okay, on a typical day, domestic violence hotlines nationwide receive 20,000 calls from victims seeking help and resources. 84% of Native women have experienced violence in their lifetime. Okay, 4 million older Americans, and they're talking here about like uh, seniors. Four million older Americans are victims of physical, psychological, or other forms of abuse and neglect. You know, I, I'm going to, like, say that it's probably more than that. That's, that, that. that's just from my experience working in this field for 15 years or so, okay? One in three women um, and one in 20 men are murder victims killed by intimate partners. Okay, look at the disproportion in that one in three versus one in 20, you know? And um, again, when we talk about domestic violence, statistically, it's the women that become victimized, statistically speaking. But that is not to say that men don't get victimized and then in same-sex relationships, right, where, you know, female to female, male to male, there's, there's abuse that happens in those relationships too. And I am pro-men, okay? I'm not just, you know, I'm a feminist, but I'm a feminist who really, really, really compassionately care about men. Um, and I want to advance the, the, the cause of men in a way because I feel like they, they're, they're misunderstood in many ways. And they're, they're seen as just the perpetrators sometimes when we, we talk about these things. But they're also victims, Right, like I said before, usually they are, have also been um, abused themselves, and there's a larger conditioning that we need to address in this country of uh, larger condition. Uh, sorry, <laughs> larger conditioning of men, you know, and it starts very early on. Boys don't cry, right? I have a son, and I hear all the messages he's getting from school, and you know, kind of uh, just different people, um, and. It just starts at an early age that we need to do a better job um, conditioning and sensitizing our boys. And, you know, it's not too late, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I just want to make that point that this isn't just about helping victims who are usually female. This is about 
for me anyway, helping everybody, because that's really what prevention is all about. And, you know, helping men and the, the culture of men and how to raise men. Um, because, you know, a lot of times they're also not very conscious and aware of what they're doing. And um, there's a lot of shame involved in seeking help. You know, most of my clients are females. I have male clients, but you know, the majority of them are females. And so it's getting better, but I think we could still do a better job um, helping the males out and helping them become more emotionally conscious and not shaming them. Okay, so just a couple more stats here. One in six women have been stalked in their lifetime. Okay, stalking is another form of abuse. It usually happens after the relationship ends because that's when, you know, um, the abusive person is starting to lose their, their hold on the victim. Sometimes abuse gets worse when a victim is trying to leave or after the victim just left because of that power and control dynamic that I'm talking to you about. That's the ultimate kind of loss of power and control for that abusive person or so they think. And so sometimes they start to stalk the victim. Um, but stalking can also happen just uh, from strange, you know, by another stranger. So um, that's that. So one more thing that I want to read here is 15.5 million U.S. children live in families in which intimate partner violence occurred at least once in the past year. And 7 million children live in families in which severe partner violence occurred. Again, I would, I would, I think there's a lot more than that, you know. And if you're interested, you could go to um, CDC or uh, Love Equals Me, their website, uh, to get more information on these staggering statistics. Okay, so we have a question here from Raquel in Escondido. Okay, she asks, how can I stop caring for my husband even though I broke up with him? I still love him. He is very abusive to me, but I can't seem to stop wanting to help him. Well, thank you for your question, um, Raquel. First of all, it sounds like you made a healthy decision to leave. I know that it took incredible courage for you to leave your husband, okay? And by the way, did you know that statistically speaking, it can take up to seven times to successfully end an abusive relationship? Seven attempts on average. Isn't that something? So Raquel, the feelings you are having are common, okay? You probably didn't leave because you no longer loved your husband. You probably left because you want the abuse to end. So oftentimes, people decide to leave because they want the abuse to stop, not necessarily because they stopped loving that person. I have heard this countless of times from clients I have worked with over the years. They just want the abuse to end, not necessarily the relationship. And sometimes that's actually what keeps them stuck in there. But they realize that for the abuse to end, the relationship must end, okay? Not all abusive relationships end in separation. There are those rare occasions when the relationship can survive it, but with not without the abusive person getting help, okay? That, it cannot happen without the abusive person changing and, and acknowledging and accepting 
that he needs to work on this and that he has a problem. And the kind of help I'm talking about here is usually in the form of therapy, domestic violence groups, sometimes psychotropic medications, okay, for people with clinical depression, um, with PTSD, with severe forms of mental health issues, bipolar disorder, things like that. Sometimes they do need psychiatric medications. So Raquel, what I want to say to you is that your feelings belong, okay? Your feelings of love belong. Just because you left, it doesn't mean you also automatically just stop loving and caring for your, your husband. You can love him. You can care about him, okay? Not for him. That's the difference. You can care about him, not for him. You can still love him, but it doesn't mean you have to act on it. Does that make sense? If, if you continue to, to uh, struggle with this, you may need some support, breaking some possible codependency patterns, okay? And therapists can help you unmesh, okay? That's like unmesh, unmesh, what I mean by that is to have clearer boundaries with your um, ex-husband. And I did a whole talk on boundaries, episode two. Um, by the way, a lot of these talks are going to be available soon on uh, podcast and SoundCloud. So I'll, I'll make that announcement once that is uh, happening, just so you guys can refer to it over and over again to help you. Okay, so Raquel, please consider getting support from a therapist. Um, like I said many times already today, you don't have to do this alone. Recovery from abuse is a lot different from recovery from a normal breakup or divorce, okay? This can be an incredibly overwhelming and confusing experience filled with self-doubt and self-blame, especially if there were a lot of emotional and mental abuse in addition to physical abuse. I don't know exactly what type of abuse uh, you suffered, but if there's a lot of those kind of mind games, it can really impact the, the separation process. Another thing for you to think about, Raquel, is whether some of this stuff was modeled to you in your family system. You know, how was conflict uh, modeled to you? How was love modeled to you? Did you experience abuse yourself as a child? All of these things can impact you and shape the way you love and the people you end up choosing to have relationships with in your life. So if you think we might be a good fit, like I always say, give us a call. Transcend Therapy, 619-823-823. One three, eight two. Okay. So another question we have here is from Lailani from Ocean Beach, and her question is, "What is it about me that I seem to keep attracting the same type of men, usually abusive men, into my life? What is it about me that I seem to keep attracting?" the same type of men, usually abusive men, into my life. Thank you for your question, Lailani. And um, similar to what I said to the first uh, question from Raquel, you may want to reflect on your childhood and famil familiar patterns first. Okay, what were the messages you received about relationships, about love, about conflict, about anger? I think it's, um, it's great that you're open to evaluate your situation and willing to um, 
look at your mate selection patterns. It takes a lot of courage to do that because as, as I've said you know, before, one of the most re- important relationships you'll ever have is with yourself. Once you get that relationship with yourself straightened out, life can get a whole lot easier. You gain so much clarity about things and you start to make choices in honor of your emotional and mental well-being. And, you know, there are really only so few things we truly have control over. And one of those areas where we can exercise some healthy control is in our mate selection, the people we choose to have relationships with, okay? So, Lailani, it's not too late to break patterns and to find healthier love. And the abuse is not your fault, okay? Ever, ever. It's never your fault. But once you start becoming more aware, it is your responsibility to start breaking that pattern. It is up to you to make healthier choices, okay, given the right supports and resources. And like I said before, there are plenty in San Diego. We do a great job in this county supporting families and we have great perpetrator programs. Um, just start with uh, a local domestic violence hotline and you will start that ball rolling and you should get not just information but real support, okay? If you are currently still in an abusive relationship, Lailani, um, like I said, you can call a domestic violence hotline in San Diego. That's 888-385-4657, 888-385-4657, or the San Diego Access and Crisis Line, and this is a 24-7 um, hotline, which is 888-724-7240, 888-724-7240. If you are not in need of immediate support, I strongly recommend that you see a therapist who specializes in domestic violence or relationship abuse, okay? I cannot stress that enough. See somebody who specializes in domestic violence or relationship abuse because it is truly a specialty area. Not all therapists fully understand the abuse dynamics or have the proper training to treat these types of relationships. Um, At Transcend Therapy, we do specialize in this. And we specialize in trauma and abuse recovery as well. So, uh, you know, it's really important. I cannot stress that enough. Um, I recently, just to give you an example about how domestic violence is a specialty area, I recently started working with a woman who um, sought a treatment for her, her separation from her husband. She described a lot of kind of subtle, covert forms of abuse, um, lots of mental and emotional abuse. And, you know, she didn't seem to be conceptualizing it as abuse. She was really just like trying to make sense of his behavior and why would he say that and do that. And, you know, after a couple of sessions, I helped her understand and put a context to what she was happening, to what she was experiencing. And when I used the words abuse, and, and told her that she was in an abusive relationship. When I said that, she was initially very surprised, you know, and then she was relieved to know that it had a name. 
that she wasn't this crazy person, that this she wasn't this selfish person. And her partner often called her the B word. You know, we're, we all know what that is. And so she always questioned her judgment, right? And she's really bought into to how her husband um, described her. So here was a woman who was being physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally, financially abused. And I would say even spiritually abused because, right, it diminishes your spirit when you're being abused like that. And she didn't even really know it, okay? And she had been in therapy twice before she saw me. So I was secretly blown away by the fact that she didn't even have a name for what she was going through. She even said to me not so long ago that she felt very angry and fooled um, because none of the two therapists told her or labeled it the way that I had labeled it in, in our sessions. So, you know... I'm not saying that I'm like, we are the best in this thing, okay? This is not like a, kind of a, an egotistical kind of nod to, to our practice. What I'm saying is, um, and I don't really know what happened in her previous therapeutic experiences and why she wasn't given the information and education that I was able to give her, but I, I share this story to emphasize that point, that DV or domestic violence is a specialty area Okay, you can save yourself time, energy, money, and most importantly, further damage from abuse if you have someone who specializes um, in this in your corner. Okay, so and if there are children involved, and for her, there, there isn't, but there is a dog involved, and you know, she was very distraught about. Um, kind of how she ended up neglecting the dog intermittently throughout the relationship because of her mental state. Um, but if there are any kind of loved ones involved in the abuse, they suffer too. And I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk about um, the cycle of abuse. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that, okay? Did you know that there is a predictable pattern or cycle of abuse? And I wish I can draw this to you live or be able to give this to you in a visual format, but I'll try my best to verbally explain it as clearly as possible, okay? So the cycle usually starts with what we call the honeymoon phase. This is usually when um, you first met and the times throughout the relationship, when the relationship is good, when it's romantic, when it's lovely and wonderful and stable, okay? So think about that as the first, as a stage. And then the next stage is what we call the tension building stage. This is when the relationship increasingly becomes tense, okay? Or when the person being abused has the feeling of walking on eggshells. The first, time it, the first few times it happens, many people don't really recognize it as part of the abuse dynamic. It's kind of just happening to you. So this is when the victim starts to become hyper-aware of how the abusive person is behaving or feeling, right? They're keeping tabs on the abuser because they know that whatever mood or state that that person is in, it's going to directly impact them. And in most cases, that means they're going to get abused. So if the abusive person is having a, a so-called bad, bad day, right, the victim starts to try to prevent or avoid the abuse, falsely thinking that they can do that, well, they can't, um, because, like I said earlier, 
literally there there has there there doesn't have to be a reason for you to get abuse. The abuser at any point in time can make something up. You know, you looked at them wrong. The food wasn't warm enough, or you you didn't close the door. Whatever it may be. Um, so sometimes the victim the victims in this part of the cycle starts appeasing, pleasing, accommodating the abusive person just to keep him or her calm and happy until they later realize that they really don't have much power or influence in whether they are going to get abused that day or not. Okay, so think about that. It puts them in a state of constant hypervigilance. And that state of constant hypervigilance has significant implications on your mental health, on your brain. It puts you in like this primal survival fear mode, okay? And additionally, all these types, all these types of abuse dynamics create anxiety, depression, a lot of somatic and physical ailments, right, due to the stress, uh, PTSD, substance abuse, and like I said before, suicidal behaviors, hopelessness, helplessness, um, and in worst case scenarios, homicide. So the person I'm working with now that I mentioned earlier is unfortunately suffering from PTSD at this time, okay? And um, it's a very, very common outcome, unfortunately, of being in abusive relationships. You know, the, the, more, the more severe the abuse is, the higher the risk factor for PTSD. So all the more reason to try to get some help to break this pattern so that you can start feeling better soon, okay? But everybody's got their own kind of threshold. Um, but I do believe that with increased education, increased normalization of these conversations, and increased you know, information about the resources out there, we can help victims break the cycle a lot earlier on. And we, you know, hopefully, for those of you who are listening to this right now, and if you're the one who is having a problem with abusing the people you love, please get some help. You deserve to feel good as well. You deserve to be happy too. I know, I know in my core that most of you don't want that kind of life as well. Most of you just want to be loved and be loved and, and have peace and have a sense of belonging. But this is not the way, guys, okay? You can get some help if you're the one being abusive so that you can finally get a healthier version of love. Um, and uh, that's all I want to say about that right now. So the third stage is called explosion. So I talked about the honeymoon stage, then I talked about the tension building stage. Okay, stay with me here. So the next stage, which is kind of the last of the cycle, is the explosion stage. And this is where the abuse is often at, at its worst. Okay, and depending on the relationship, what that could look like is this is where the physical abuse is worse or the emotional abuse is worse or the sexual abuse is worse, whatever the dynamics is for that particular relationship. Okay, and so what happens is People just go round and round these three stages, right? From honeymoon to tension building to explosion, back to honeymoon, where the abuser may be saying sorry, showing remorse, promising not to do it again, then back to tension building, then explosion, and on and on and on it goes until 
the relationship ends. So think about that. How can that not impact you emotionally, mentally, physically, right? Um, so if the children are also in the picture, they are devastating, devastatingly part of this cycle too, okay? A lot of times I hear people say, well, you know, they didn't hear it, they were asleep, or it doesn't happen when they're around, and so forth. Even if you think the kids don't know, or they, you know, they don't see me get abused, I still gently tell my clients that the kids most likely know what's going on, okay? Uh, they just do. And if they're, young, if they're too young to know what it's called, if they don't have a name for it, they are still emotionally feeling the impact of abuse, okay? Um, when you're being abused or when you're the one being abusive, that tension that you're carrying around, that sadness affects your coping, which then affects the way you attune to your children, which then affects the way they feel. So there's, there's no way if abuse is happening constantly in your household that your kids are not being impacted one way or another. And I've never, ever, ever heard that from any client who has been um, a child of a family system where abuse was happening. You know, and they usually say, God, you know, I wish my parents would have separated. They, they didn't, you know, they shouldn't have been um, together for as long as they have, right? It, divorce can help, can um, hurt children, but so can witnessing an abusive relationship and being a recipient of that. So, I'm, you know, I'm not saying get divorced. That's not what I'm advocating for here, but I'm just, I'm just, I just want to plant that seed of like your kids are impacted. Um, so again, if you or someone you know is in an abusive relationship, seek support. You are not alone. You are not crazy. It's not your fault. Call us if you're in San Diego, 619-823-1382 or email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com. All right. So one last question here, and this is one that I just wanted to talk about. It's not from anyone in particular because it's a question I often hear is, why do victims stay, right? Well, you know, first of all, because the relationship is crazy-making. That's one reason, right? And everything else I've talked about today hopefully gives you a taste of how incredibly nuanced and complicated and sometimes really dangerous this is for victims. So think about that for a minute. Let me just paint this picture. You're in this relationship. Your self-esteem has been eroded. You most likely do not have any or enough resources to make a move because your abusive partner usually ends up creating dependency in you, controlling everything, including your finances, sometimes even preventing you from going to work or making a phone call that is a true thing, monitoring your calls, right? In some cases, you fear for your life, you fear for the unknown. If you have children, you fear for their safety and well-being, especially if there have been direct threats made to hurt you or harm you if you leave or if you tell anybody, right? 
Sometimes the abuser also tells you you won't find anyone better. You're a, you know, you're ugly, you're worthless, and I can go on and on with the adjectives, but it won't be appropriate on the radio, but you get the point, right? And you start to believe that. You start to believe that. Okay? But then to complicate matters, you still love this person, especially during times of calm or when he or she may be showing you love, tenderness, and remorse. And then you add the stigma of divorce, or maybe your faith tells you to stay for better or worse, okay? And the list goes on and on. And it's so different for every um, relationship, every person being victimized, why they're in there. So it's incredibly confusing, to say the least. Divorce and separation is hard enough for people in healthier relationships. It becomes a whole new can of worms, sometimes a can of dangerous, deadly worms. I hate to say that, but it it does happen, unfortunately, in abusive relationships. So there's just so much more at stake. So please be mindful if, uh, if you know somebody who's in a relationship like this, you know, try not to, um, uh, have conversations that tend to blame them. Okay. And I know that it can be incredibly challenging to support somebody you love who's in this relationship, right? This, cause the, and even cops get frustrated with it. I used to work with law enforcement back in the day and training them to understand the dynamics because, you know, it's frustrating for them to go to a call and then, you know, the victim recants either because they feel bad and they don't want to see their partner incarcerated or the abuser actually, you know, has threatened to hurt them or the kids or some kind of, you know, uh, fear tactic was used for them to drop the charges. And and then they, or uh, sometimes what happens is they actually leave the relationship, get a restraining order, and then somewhere in that process, they change their mind, they want to drop the charges and so forth. So it's incredibly frustrating for law enforcement, right? And then credibility of victims becomes a big problem. But, um, you know, this is unfortunately a symptom of the mental and emotional abuse that happens to victims. And like I said earlier, it takes up to seven times statistically for them to leave. So usually that first call to law enforcement is not going to be the thing that's going to end that relationship because the abuser usually tries to hook them back in. So this was kind of, this was a lot of the work that I did with law enforcement agencies and legal um, entities to just help them understand understand this dynamic so they can be sensitized to the victims um, and not um, not give up on them, you know. So uh, again, I can't really get into that a whole lot today, but the top, I want to go back to what I was talking about, the top reasons that people stay in these relationships are denial, right, minimizing the abuse, minimizing the impact of the abuse, love, fear, and fear is a whole host of things, fear for your life, fear for the unknown, fear for your safety, fear for your kids, fear for your pets, fear of starting over, fear of judgment, stigma, you name it. Hope is also a reason, right? Because in the honeymoon stage, that creates hope for victims that, oh, you know, it's not always bad. There are good times. Maybe I can get back to that place with this person. And then maybe we could stay there. So these are false hopes, by the way, guys, because again, nothing is going to change in your relationship until something fundamentally changes. And that means the abuser getting help. There's nothing you can do to stop or prevent the abuse. 
it must come from the abuser, okay? Um, limited support system, limited resources are usually a big reason too. Um, you're eroding self-esteem, right? Because what does it take to make these kinds of choices in your life? A strong and healthy sense of self. Well, you know, people in these relationships, their, their self-esteem is shot. So, you know, we're expecting them to make this really healthy choice when they don't really feel good about themselves. And on top of that, they're probably very depressed, anxious, have PTSD, suicidal, are substance abusing, which impairs their overall functioning and sense of what I call self-efficacy. This is really important. Self-efficacy is the belief that you can do it. And a lot of times what I find in just my years of working in this field is that that piece is really lost in a lot of the victims. And so at Transcend Therapy, I spend a lot of time building people up and building their strength and, you know, connecting them back to their strengths, which were always there. They're just lost, right? Or they're disconnected from it and increasing this self-efficacy so that they start to have faith in themselves and they can start to feel more hopeful that, oh my God, I can, I do have resources. I don't have to do this alone. You know, I can keep trying. I don't have to give up just because the first time I tried to leave didn't work, right? And the education helps them as well to know that it is incredibly difficult and it's probably going to take some time. So that's that. I hope you guys, you know, I hope I, I'm just so fired up about this and I hope that it's been helpful and informative and inspiring to all of you. Um, and you know, you are not alone. I can't, I cannot say that enough. And you usually cannot do this alone. This goes for victims and perpetrators. Okay. You can break the cycle. This is fixable. This is doable, but it starts with you. It always starts with you. So please call us if you think we might be a good fit. 619-823-1382, transcendtherapy at gmail.com. If you want more information about our practice, go to transcendtherapyca.com, transcendtherapyca.com. So very quickly here, just before we go, um, at the end of the show, I'm always going to talk about uh, something, something, a positive, uplifting story from, from a real-life experience with a client or a person I know, okay? But I'm deciding to call this the inspiration corner. This is the inspiration corner. And um, the, the story I want to share with you today is about one of my female clients who I've worked with for a couple of years, and... Um, she has a history of being emotionally, verbally, mentally abused as a child. She was also adopted, which, you know, can create another set of issues, but her trauma was primarily, primarily from the abuse she suffered from her adoptive parents, unfortunately. They were very, very abusive to her. And as an adult, you know, not surprisingly, she ended up in a series of abusive relationships, including her ex-husband. And then her partners after that were also abusive, Okay. She's a very successful attorney, a very loving mother, and just an all-around wonderful woman who truly cares for others and, uh, and her community and does a lot of wonderful things for the community. But this was one area she was just really stuck and caught up in a repetitive loop, you know, because that's the power of abuse is that 
you can have all the smarts, you can have all the cognitive and abilities and talents, but if you don't heal that injury, that wound, it's going to keep showing up in your life, okay? Because it's a different kind of pain, you know, and it cannot be masked by all these other things. So anyway, she, until recently, after putting in the time and energy and resources, right, in therapy, I am happy to report that she finally broke the pattern of abuse in her life. She is finally in a happy, thriving, confident, grounded relationship, okay, with, with a wonderful man. And we don't know how this relationship is going to end. But the win here is the fact that she finally was able to have that and to experience that. And um, the way that she's selecting her, her, her partners are coming from a different place right? Because now she has a solid sense of who she is. We, he- we healed a lot of the traumatic injuries. Um, we're still working on some, you know, smaller stuff, but the big rocks are, are not in the bag anymore, in her bag of pain. And now she really understands what she's worth. And she's redefined for herself what love and what healthy relationship is, right? Like before she would go for the, the passionate, intense, you know, chaotic relationship. And she thought that that's how it was supposed to be. That was chemistry and that was, you know, uh, romantic. And now she's understood that, no, chaos is chaos. <laughs> intensity and intense is intensity. Love is love, that they're not all the same things. So anyway, I just wanted to share that to give you guys a taste of what it could be like for you, okay? And I thank you all for listening thus far and for joining me this hour. And again, Uh, My name is Cecile Ahrens, owner of Transcend Therapy. Give us a call if you think we might be a good fit, 619-823-1382, or email us at transcendtherapy at gmail.com. And until next week, be well and be gentle. Thanks for joining us today on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. To learn more about Cecile, become a sponsor or guest on Get Mental, or if you have any questions about mental health, visit TranscendTherapyCA.com. That's TranscendTherapyCA.com. Join us next week at this same time for more talk on all things mental health on Get Mental with Cecile Ahrens. So I try.